O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. In this passage, he says, he begins by saying, God is omniscient and he knows everything about me. The way he's describing his, God's omniscience here is on a, on a personal relational level. He's not necessarily having in mind you know, that God knows how many stars there are. He knows how many fish are in the sea. It's, it's not necessarily this cosmic overarching uh, knowledge, but he's saying specifically with you and me that God knows everything about you. He's saying that there's nothing about God that is hidden. There's, no, or there's nothing about you that is hidden. There's no aspect of your heart. There's no emotion, no motive, no action or habit that you have that God doesn't know about. That there's nothing that he's surprised by. There's nothing that he's caught off guard by. But he knows you. No point in the day that we can say, God, will you close your eyes and turn around and just give me an afternoon of privacy and let me do whatever I want without you seeing it? And there's an aspect of that that might feel terrifying. There's also an aspect of this, and what I think that should be the main, our main response to this is that this should be a feeling of comfort. Let me explain to you why this should be something that we feel comforted by. Not only is God never surprised by things, but also, also imagine this scenario. Uh, like imagine it, um, when, when you're dating someone or, or you get engaged, you, as you're getting to know someone, um, you either are uh, told about their, their, their sins and some of their issues, uh, or maybe you observe some of them, but this person that you love, you're saying, okay, there's this uh, kitchen trash can sign of gar size of garbage that they have, and there's some aspects that they need to work through, and they have some struggles, and you know they're not perfect, I get it, I see that this is the size of issue that they have. And you're aware of it, and you're like, it smells a little funky, and you know they gotta work through this, but they're a great person, I love them, this person's amazing. And then you marry them, and then you find out, yeah, there's this kitchen trash can size of trash, but then there's also a dumpster in the back that you didn't know about. And there's whole, a whole other mess of stuff that was never talked about that you're finding out about for the first time, and you're kind of like, holy cow, this person really does have issues. It's not just this little mess. It's all of this stuff back here that we never even talked about, and I didn't know or didn't expect. Imagine if, if God was like that. Imagine if God only knew you to the level that your peers know you. And so God says, okay, I love you. I see the sins you have. You have this kitchen trash size of, of issues, I, but I love you, and so I'm going to die on the cross for you. And I have in mind this, this issue. I can forgive you. I can love you in spite of that. And then he dies, he comes back to life, we place our faith in him, and he forgives us. How could we ultimately have any confidence in the fullness of, of his death on the cross if we're like, at what point do I need to break the news to God that I have all of these other issues that he doesn't know about? The fact that he died on the cross for us and looks at us and says, I can forgive you fully, I love you fully as you are, it should bring us great comfort because when he's saying those things, he says, I know every aspect of you. 
And in fact, I know you even better than you know yourself. And so when God says that, it's something that brings, should bring us reinsurance, that God is omniscient, that he knows us, because he knows every struggle that we have. He knows about every burden that we carry. And he still says, I'm sufficient for you. I love you enough that I will die for you. I can forgive you. I can heal you. And when he says those things, he says, I see this with the fullness of your heart. And that's something that can bring us reassurance. That God's omniscient, and so I can rest in that. It's important that as we talk about hiding and as we talk about withdrawing, um, we don't just think about this in terms of our relationships with each other, that we also have to acknowledge that we hide from God as well. And even though we know that God is omniscient, we know that he sees everything, there's still a part of us that, that pretends that God doesn't know everything and that we still hide from him uh, specifically. Think about the, the first sin when we see in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, and the very first thing that they do is they hide from God. They, they feel this shame and they're still, their response to it is I'm going to withdraw from God and I'm going to pretend or I'm at least going to hope that he can't see me and what I'm going through. He can't see what I've done. And so though in my head I know that that's true, that he, he already knows what happened, I'm, I'm going to hope that this time I can pull it off and conceal what's going on. And we do that with God ourselves. That we sin and we think, well, if I do some good things, maybe I can offset that and then to kind of distract God from the good thing that, that I just did and so he didn't see the mess I just created. Maybe we minimize it, we ignore it. But we hide from God just as much as we hide from, from each other. But God is omniscient and we can't doubt or ignore his omniscience. God knows us, he knows us fully but God's omniscience is ultimately a blessing for us. The reason God's uh, omniscience is a blessing and not something that should terrify us is because of ultimately how he views us. We're going to continue um, in verses 17 and 18. In verses 17, he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He, he says this passage where he says, God, you think about me more than the grains of the sand on the, on the beach. Like the number of thoughts you have for, for me, I can't even count. The, the way that this, this is from the NIV and the translation here is, is a little bit funny. Uh, an, another way you could word this is something like, how amazing are your thoughts concerning me? That God looks at you and he has these thoughts that are so amazing and so fantastic that it's, it's hard to comprehend. That God looks at you and he says he loves you and it's a love that's deeper and greater than something we've ever experienced before and something that we can say, I can't even grasp the fullness of God's love because it's so big and so great and I have nothing to compare this to. 
So, so many times we, we think of God and we think of God as, as though it's like he, he loves us, but he doesn't like us. That he's a God who, who maybe just kind of tolerates us. As though, like, okay, fine, the right thing to do is to forgive these, like, messed up little minions that I created, and so I'll go and I'll, I'll die for them. But then they're on their own, and don't, don't screw up what I just gave you or something. And so we, and we have this image so often of God just looks at us and, and puts up with us that we're always a little bit of a disappointment to God. And this passage says, no, that's, that's not how he sees us that he has all these thoughts towards us, that he has a purpose for us, and that he looks at us with affection. There's warmth to the way that God sees us, that he made us and he values us and he loves us and he thinks good things for us, that he wants what's best for us. And so doesn't this, doesn't this help a little bit then when we think about things like God's discipline? Like if sin is ultimately something that will hurt us and hurt creation, doesn't that help a little bit if then God says, I love you enough that I have to help you understand that if you continue doing this, you are hurting yourself. Like how affectionate could God be if he said, I love you and I'm going to go let you mess up things and hurt yourself and hurt other people. That, that would not be a God who is loving and God who is, who is affectionate. But instead, he looks at us, he loves us. An author who's, who's helped me a lot uh, in, in reflections on this, especially as I think of God as often, often cold, um, God who's distant and who looks at me and evaluates how I live my life, uh, Brendan Manning writes in, in the Ragamuffin Gospel, he says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. The, Brendan Manning says, the very basis for our identity should be as something, as someone who God loves deeply. That everything else that we're doing is just things that we're adding on to it. Everything else is just kind of a distraction or a compensation for doubting that identity that we have in God. And he says the very foundational thing has to be that we are deeply, deeply loved by a God who is faithful. He writes elsewhere, he says, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have nothing to earn it or deserve it. And again, this is something that should bring us, that should bring us freedom. That there's nothing that I, that I did to, to earn this, so how can there be anything that I can do to lose his love? How is there anything that I could do that, that would make him leave me or withdraw his love from me? But that God looks at me and he loves me deeply and he says, this is who I ultimately am, is that I am someone who's loved by God. I think one of the challenges for us as Christians is we can, we can say this and we can even read this passage that, that how amazing are, are your thoughts towards me. And we could read this a hundred times and ultimately there, there comes a point where we kind of get stuck where it's like, okay, I get in my head that God loves me, uh, but I've never experienced love like this. 
Like every love that I've experienced relationally has been some sort of distorted form of love. It's a love that, uh, that I feel loved when I give something to someone. It's a love when I meet someone's expectations or a love that I get when ultimately I, I stay quiet and I let other people do what they want. And you, you, those are my issues. You have a, a form of love or a distorted form of love that you're used to relating to. And sometimes it can be hard reading a passage like this because it's like, I've never really experienced a love that won't leave me. I've never really experienced a love on this level of depth. And so how do I relate to something or how can I really understand something that I've never experienced? What's so important is that, is that as Christians, as we embrace the gospel and learn this together, that we're relating to each other and at least giving each other something that's approaching this kind of love. That I need people that I can talk to and I can tell, these are the deep things that are going on in my heart. The way th- my heart is that it shouldn't be. And I need someone to have grace on me and someone to love me. That I need someone to, to share with me and I need to give that same love to, to other people. And as we start doing this, we start getting close to adjusting and tweaking that paradigm of how we, how we understand love to be. And so this is something that, that involves us being with each other. It's something that involves us being willing to know each other and let ourselves be known on a deeper level. That we can't just keep talking about surface level things because ultimately we're not going to be able to get this and that love isn't going to sink down to the deep parts and change the way that we understand and relate to love. God loves us and he loves us beyond what we can comprehend. This passage tells us that God is omniscient. It's a passage that tells us God loves us with great affection, but we can still choose how much do we want to engage with this. How much do we want to relate with God? We, it continues and in verse 23. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This, these two verses, they, they echo the beginning of the psalm. At the beginning of the psalm, he said, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. And then he ends the psalm now with an invitation where he says, God, search me. He begins by saying, I know that God is omniscient. I know that God knows everything about me and he, need, he knows the fullness of my heart. And, but then at the end he says, God, I want to invite you to come deeper. I want to invite you to search my heart. I want to invite you to reveal what's going on in my heart. I want to invite you to examine it, to test it. Reveal to me what's the, what are the qualities uh, and the desires of my heart. What is it that, that is actually motivating me? Lord, know the needs that I have in my heart and reveal those to me. 
If, if God knows us more than, than we know ourselves, then it's to God that we should turn and say, God, reveal my heart and what is going on in my heart. Why is it that I keep turning to these things? Why is it that I value this thing so much when I know that it's, it, it can't meet my needs? Why does this thing have a hold on me so much? Lord, reveal what's going on in my heart. Know me and reveal to me what's going on. This is this, a way that we can, we can do this is, is ask God to reveal in our heart how is it that we keep him distant. Ask God, Lord, show me how is it that I strain our relationship. Lord, show me what barriers and walls I have set up to keep you apart from me. Lord, show, show that to me. And so many times in, Paul writes about this in the New Testament, like Galatians 5, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. And this is an expression of that. It's an expression of saying, I need the Spirit to show me what is it that I do that keeps God far from me. What is it that I keep, do that keeps him at an arm's distance? Things that I'm not willing to let go of. Often I think how we approach this is we examine ourselves. And we say, from my own perspective, I look at my heart and I see these are the things that are going on. And so X, Y, Z must be the reason that God is far apart. And there's never at any point that we ultimately ask God, will you show me what's going on in my heart? Functionally, this, this can be a lot like the guy I was telling you about at the very beginning, someone who, who talks a lot, uh, but ultimately can, can talk a lot to steer the conversation away from things that he do, places he doesn't really want to go and things that he wants to avoid. We can look at our sins and we can say, okay, I know I struggle with this and this and this. Um, God, those must be the, thing, the ways that I keep you distant. And I think very often, if we are to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what's going on in our, in our heart, I think he would tell us often a different answer than the things that we would point to. I think he would often point out things that we don't want to look at, things that we would like to ignore and pretend aren't really an issue. Maybe things that would even surprise us that I don't really think that's that big of an issue. It's, you know, it's these other ones over here. And these, this can just be a way that we still function to keep God distant from us rather than asking him, God, will you search me? Will you know my heart? Will you show me how I keep you far from me? Will you give me feedback on what I do that keeps you far away? I think one of the challenges with this is we also have to be willing for the honest answer. Um, if God is omniscient, if God is loving enough to tell us the truth, man, what happens when I actually do hear the answer? Because so many times, if, if it's something that I don't want to look at, it's not an answer that I'm going to want to hear. And it's hard to end up saying, okay, at the end of the day, this is what I'm like. I do have this issue. And as much as I'd like to ignore it and as much as I would like to say, no, that's not me. I have all these other good qualities and these other things that are good about me. That's not that big of an issue. 
at the end of the day, still the Holy Spirit saying, this, this is something. And to look at and to say, I have to be willing to hear that feedback. I have to be willing to say, yeah, that's me. And that can be a hard place to be. The comfort is, though, is that is coming back to this passage where he says he has so many thoughts towards us, he has so much affection towards us, that we can, he can give us the honest answer, and that is our reality of seeing that thing, and he still says, I love you so deeply. And that's, that's a painful, but also in a way a comforting place to be. We have to trust God's goodness to ask him to reveal what's going on in our hearts, to ask him how do we keep him distant. This is a passage that speaks of so many attributes of God, but one one specific to this one is God's omniscience. God knows us. He knows us fully. There's nothing that surprises us. And that's something that we we can take comfort in and something we can take delight in that he knows every aspect of us, and he has that all in view when he says he loves us and when he says, I can forgive you and we can be in a relationship together. Come back to these verses, especially 17 and 18, when you are in a dark place, when you're in a place where you feel like God is far away and that God looks at you with anger or disappointment, come back to those verses where God says, no, I love you and I have so many thoughts towards you. This is a place where we can find comfort, where we can find God's reassurance that no, that's, don't believe the lie that he looks at you as, as this cold, distant evaluator of your life. But God is a God who has warmth and tenderness towards us. And because he's omniscient, because he looks at us with that love, we can ask him, God, show me what is going on in my heart. I want to know you deeper. I want you to come into the deeper places of my heart, and I want you to know me. So I ask you, consider that this week. Let him show you what's going on in your heart and receive that. Let me pray for us.